0: At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results.
1: My name is Mike McNamara, and this is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show, and that goes for the Merrimack Valley as well. Okay, it's summer. hope everybody's having a nice summer. The weather's finally coming around here. I am sitting here in our Marshfield studio today, and uh, my special guest uh, uh, is Sharon McNamara from Boston Connect Real Estate. And for purposes of this show, I want to go on record that issue She's not my daughter, but she's my sister-in-law. Good morning, Sharon. Are you there?
2: I am here. Good morning. And I know that people will ask you that all the time, but... Um, and I like to say I am your favorite sister-in-law because I'm pretty sure none of the others are listening right now. <laughs> so we well, can get I, away with it, Michael.
1: I know you feel older <laughs> when I say that, but I am old, so it's just one of those things, you know. <laughs> you, you know. So anyway, so uh, yeah. so we're going to have some fun today. So, so did you want to announce to the world where you are today? Do you want to keep
2: that a secret, by the way? Wait no, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I mean, we're streaming live on Facebook right now, just so you know. Um, so everybody can hear us on Marshfield Connect, Pembroke Connect, the Boston Connect and all the great pages that we have out there Um, and they can see me I am right now floating in Eggertown Harbor uh, with my captain Mark McNamara you're
1: in the boat Uh, not in the water right
2: (laughs) exactly (laughs) we are (laughs) on the boat yes I feel a little bit like I'm I don't know if you watch it but I'm Bravo below deck Uh, that's how I sort of feel right now but um, Mark is cleaning up we're gonna head out today we've been here just about 10 days over 4th of July and it was fabulous. Nice. Nice. Good (laughs) for you. I, and one other thing, Michael. I know you're no longer doing the fishing reports, yeah. but do you want to give an update on the how how, how the fish running out there right now? <laughs> well, we
1: had a, a very good day on the uh, Pamela Grace yesterday, uh, as you know, because I sent you some pictures. We caught uh, five nice recreational tuna, as we say in our business, and uh, they were all yeah. about fifty inches plus or minus, which is like almost a, a ninety or hundred pound fish. And uh, was a wonderful day actually out around the corner from uh, Provincetown down towards Truro and. All those mm-hmm. good places, but it was a beautiful day, nice day. And uh, awesome. if Mark wants a tuna steak, he's going to be on board to catch it. Okay, that's that's the deal. Okay. <laughs>
2: I'll tell. I'll make sure
1: to tell him that. <laughs> it was a great day. Thank you. Any sharks?
2: Any sharks out there? Uh, I have I have my little app to watch the sharks. I see a couple of great whites out
1: there. Well, that's interesting. You say that. Um, the uh, the answer is we did not encounter any, and that's a good thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but anyway, what one of the things we do is. is, is we have to bleed uh, the, the one tuna that we kept, and uh, we have to do a couple things and toss him over the side and drag him for three or 400 yards until he gets bled mm-hmm. out so that we can win it. And I'm thinking, hmm, this would be the time that we might meet a, a great white shark. But we, we managed to uh, survive, and, and as well so did the fish sort of a thing. So. <laughs>
2: but, That's wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Right.
1: So, so how, by the way, now, how's this going to work? We're going to do two hours of my show and one mm-hmm. hour of yours this morning. And do I have to do anything different? that I'm already doing right now or do I just sit no,
0: and No, no. Mm-hmm. You just um, sit and just, look pretty, Mike, just <laughs> like Sharon
1: is on her boat. All right. T- there t- you go. Take me out <laughs> of the it. technology loop. Yep. We're good. Yes, yeah, right. yeah,
2: you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, You okay. will just sit there and we will stream right into We'll do all our intro. We'll end your show the normal way. We'll start our show. All right. And then uh, that's what we'll do. It's we'll all on me and Sharon, hour. Mike. You don't have to do a
1: thing. <laughs> Super. And the agenda that I sent you that you just sent me, that's from my show and you've got your own complete set of agenda for yours, correct? the or, or no, just no we're just going to continue three. on. Right, we're so just going
2: to continue on. It's all the same. I just put all your questions all in one. I've reached out to a couple people yeah. um, and given them the link because, you know, I know you asked a couple questions about mortgages. So yeah. I have yeah. a mortgage specialist that will probably be joining us around 9 o'clock. Oh, super. Um, okay. Yeah, and I reached out to Mark Stiles. Yeah. I'm not sure if he'll be able to this morning or not, but I know you had some questions regarding trusts, irrevocable, and all that. So,
1: hopefully we'll hear from him uh, yeah well i i don't but a few people listening to me might or they might not know that they should have some questions about trust in real estate it's one of those things you know uh mm-hmm. so okay cool and, and uh so we can we can entertain callers and although we're doing live from marshfield today will we'll, we'll, it'll be south shore callers but again if you're in the merrimack valley and you're hearing this show uh it's uh, let's see in what is it um McNamaraFinancial.com just get a hold up, us and email me and we can go from that or there's a questions at McNamaraFinancial.com email and we can happily answer any questions that you might have about this show here so, uh, so okay uh, and so you know it's kind of cool uh, you know you do the real estate in the real world but it happens to be a financial transaction and I do the financial stuff and it's kind of a I think of a, a good mix and boy is there stuff going on in both of those sides of the equation these days or what holy cow uh, yeah
2: absolutely And actually, um, perfect timing for the show, too, is I actually had a closing yesterday um, with clients of yours as well. So everything went well there down in Plymouth. And they are happy and secure in their new home in Duxbury. Already. Already. Yeah. Yep.
1: So All right. Good. So we'll just take this a question at a time and hope it lasts for three hours, basically. That's how it's going to work, right? <laughs> I guess so. If we,
2: not, we'll just play more of the EIEIO
1: yeah, music. Yeah, we might need four or five hours for this, Sharon. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So question number one here, and this is like an open-ended one, obviously, but is this a okay. good time to buy or sell? So you go first, I'll go second. What's your response okay. to that? So
2: take, take your time. we got three hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just stretch this out. A little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. So for me, I think anytime really is a good time to buy or sell. It really depends. It sounds very much like an attorney answer or a financial advisor answer, right? You, you it got that right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody at some point or another, either they have to or they want to. And I guess that that's really the pressing question. If you have to, then yeah, it's a fantastic time to sell, obviously, with the way that, you know, there's been all the. This- this emotional buying going on. So sellers are really reaping the benefits of that. Um, Rates are going up a little bit, but the sky is not falling. Um, We are going to have George Post from Maritime Mortgage joining us a little bit later about nine o'clock. We'll talk more about that. Um, But I know part of your question is, should people wait for the correction? And I actually am not even going to call that a correction. I think it's more of a normalization. It's there's nothing to be corrected. What has happened in the past was not normal. <laughs> so now I feel like we're back on track with, you know, seeing things sort of slow down a little bit. The one word I've been using, and it happened last year as well as it did this year, this this market was reckless in my opinion. And um, I saw a lot of things going on, a lot of buyers just, I said this on my show and we got somebody pretty upset and she called in and it's no one's fault of why the prices are where they are or what buyers ended up doing with multiple offers out there. The way that it happened for us, and I don't even know if this is answering your question anymore, but I'm gonna tell you how we got to where we are. It started with, let's just say, a house was on the market for $500,000. There were five people who put offers in on that property. Someone offered, 500,000 thinking they had a great offer. They have great financing pre-approved. Everything is great, but they lost out four of them lost out because someone decided to come in cash. So now it was this big competition between having a loan and having cash. In my opinion, it doesn't really matter where that cash is coming from. It's a little more secure when it comes to appraisals and things like that. But okay, okay, yeah. really at the end of the day, the seller, right? The yeah. seller's getting the money. So from there, let's go now, now there's four people who didn't get that house. Now the market's heating up. Another house comes on the market. It's on the market for $500,000. Those other four people say, okay, I lost out to cash. I don't have cash. I'm gonna offer 525. So that person gets it because they overbid, the other three are out. Now more people are joining the, I I just think of like dropping a piece of bread into like the pond and all the fish come up to the top. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like musical chairs. Who's left? Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And it was like uh, it was just uh, just reckless how it was happening. Now we go. We have another house that's on the market for five hundred thousand dollars. Now we have ten people that are interested in this one house. Someone's like, "All right, I lost out at five twenty-five. I'm going to go five fifty, and I'm going to not have a home inspection." So now the other nine <laughs> people lose out because they didn't waive their home inspection, right? It was this snowball that was going quickly downhill. Before you know it, it was bigger than all of us, yep. and you couldn't get out of its way. And then, and this is where I found it being reckless: is it wasn't just twenty five thousand dollars, Michael. It was fifty, seventy five, a hundred. We had one that was two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars over asking.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, this is emotional value. That is not the value of that home. So this is where I am right now as a listing agent is what is the true value of a house? Because these houses weren't appraising at that.
1: Yeah. Wow. So
2: that's, that's where we ended up. What was really scary for me is when I started to see people not only waive their home inspection, but waive their mortgage contingencies as well. Whoa. And that is very, very dangerous in my opinion. If any of our clients, I actually just talked somebody out of doing that. Um, just last week actually, before I went on vacation, I said, I just he goes, Do you think it will get me the house? I said, I just don't suggest it. I don't think any house is worth potentially losing. You know, your your oldest is gonna be going to college next year. Potential if anything ever happened, you could lose your retirement for a nine hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it um, got scary.
1: You know, it, the, the parallels are pretty cool. Um, in, in my business, uh, I like to say uh, we have extremes, and they're run by greed and fear. And that works in the real estate business as well, obviously, in terms of how things go. It's mm-hmm. um, the... You know, my my take, and we'll probably get to a few of the reasons why people get greedy and silly and maybe unwise or or just not intelligent enough to make some good decisions or or, or whatever. We'll probably get to those reasons, but, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, it, it occurred to me that, you know, is it a good time to buy or sell? Well, isn't almost everybody a buyer and a seller at the same time? Hmm. If 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 you're if you're gonna sell a house and buy another house, are, are you not by default on both sides of the? Well, is it a good mm-hmm. seller's market or is it a, a good buyer's market? Uh, d- don't you get to win on one of those and lose on the other? <laughs> I, I mean, th- think, think about that. Is that is that a good
2: question? But huh? Huh? There's a majority of people who want to win on both sides, yeah, and yeah. you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you, that you just
1: can't. I, I've been you know I've been just thinking about like the big bridge. so so if it's a if it's a a seller's market. It's been a seller's market. I think it's changing. We can get mm-hmm. to that in a little while. It's, so it's yep. it's been a seller's market. Okay. Well, and so that's good for sellers, and you can kind of process that kind of Well, you know, if if you're if you're selling a five hundred thousand dollar home. And buying a million dollar one, are you in a good place? P- pr- pr- probably not, and it's because of what what you're doing in your own life, right? Mm-hmm. So th- think exactly. About yeah. Okay. And, and if it's a sell, if it's a buyer's market, okay. Well, then don't you suffer on the seller side to some degree that you don't even know about, kind of given the circumstance? So, so I kind of have to chuckle because almost everybody, whether it's I want to or I need to, you know, do the home thing. Almost mm-hmm. everybody. Is is a buyer and a seller at the same time if you're selling a really big one and buying a little one well maybe that's not a bad thing but if you're selling mm-hmm. a little one and buying a big one maybe that's that's not a good thing either sort of a thing I, I, th- I think it just depends on w- where you're coming from from that and your personal mm-hmm. circumstances I mean if you're a lot of people in, in my business and we see this pretty regularly when people uh, you call it right size I call it downsize, whatever it is when people do their mm-hmm. retirement home and get into the home that they're looking for. Okay. It's almost always about the same value. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, but people don't usually spend less money. Okay. When they do their retirement home. So, so isn't it a wash if you're a buyer, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's a seller's market or a buyer's market, if you're purchasing and selling approximately two equal homes, does it matter? And
2: and this is where I have I have talked to people out of selling their house. I, I mean, to me, I know I'm a real estate agent and what, for some reason or another, the, I don't even know what the word is, but the characteristic of what people think of for my industry is very different from what I do. And you've referred me clients before someone yep. in your neighborhood that I said, why, why would you sell this house and then buy something else that isn't even a lateral move? Yeah, And now you have a mortgage and at uh, at this age why would you want to do that just so you can say you have granite change out your countertops yeah you yeah. know make this living room this front to back living room there's this other older couple i mean in their i would say late 70s early 80s that i saw in Nashville at the end of last year it was a a client's mom and i talked them out of selling their home because where are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> like one thing I don't want is someone homeless, yep. but if you want a first floor bedroom, this house is paid for. You have a front to back living room with couches that have, have plastic on them. Right. <laughs> so, yep. Like I see cobwebs, yep. like you're not using this room, use it as your first floor master. And again, with the rates, the way that the rates went up a little bit, we had somebody who just got, you, they could now not afford what they wanted to purchase three weeks ago because of the rates going
1: up. Yeah, but that, moving that fast, right? Huh? Whoa, oh.
2: Moving that fast. Yeah. We have to, now as listing agents, if I have an offer on one of my properties, I want a pre-approval for that date or that week Yeah, because okay. people are falling off. Because, And that's why are people stretching themselves that far? I don't even understand that, but yeah, that's another. Well,
1: you know, th- 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 a real estate purchase is hopefully in the context of a whole other all the other pieces of your financial life. So we're just obviously talking Mm -hmm. about as a separate issue. But yeah, so so here's my thinking, folks. You know, whether you want to or need to sell your home, if it's a buyer's market, okay, if that's what the deal is, uh, I'm sorry, if it's a seller's market, let's go first. If it's a seller's market, if you're selling a larger home and buying a smaller one, congratulations, okay? Mm -hmm. If it's a seller's market, and you're uh, selling a smaller home and buying a more expensive one, that's a that's a hesitation seriously think about it cuz that that's a bad you know w- regardless of whether it's buyers or sellers it's your situation that dictates that if it's if it's a buyers market oh good i can get good prices on homes well well you know if you're if you're selling okay uh, a, sm- a smaller home and buying a great deal on one that's more expensive with a mortgage well, you know th- that's how you have to look at things you know you, you can't read the newspaper and say oh it's a sellers market i'm not going to I'm going to sell my home or, or it's a mm-hmm. seller's market and I'm not going to buy a home. You you got to look at your own circumstances and see if it works uh, is the short story. You have to look at your own yeah. financial situation. You know, forget what the markets are doing. In, in, in my business, you know, we 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 never make calls uh, about what to do with people's uh, portfolios or situations based on what we think the market's going to do because we don't have a clue what the market's mm-hmm. going to do and, and, and nobody does. So, so what we do is we make decisions decisions on where they are financially now and what makes sense now to do mm-hmm. and, and, and so you have to look at your own circumstances and not pay attention to what you think the world is doing out there in the real estate market or the stock market sort of thing that, did I explain that okay I, it's just weird I think. Yeah, yeah
2: absolutely yeah. and one of the things that you just said is what is happening out in the world also remember that real estate is maybe a little bit different than what you're doing because I, you know from a national standpoint, things are looking a lot different. So what happens out west generally comes east. Yeah. Okay. So if you're if you're googling something to see what the market is, chances are you're seeing national statistics. Okay. You need to speak with a local expert to see what is yep. going on in yep. your market yep. right now. Yeah. Today. Very hyper local. Yeah. To we're, see what's going on.
1: We're coming up on a couple of minutes, but I guess my comment is folks, if you're if you need or want to buy and or sell homes, you need to look at your circumstances and your situations and, and 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 things as they are, right? Well, mortgage rates are five percent. Well, if you can afford a five percent mortgage and it doesn't make your life change, well, then that's okay to do that. As opposed to try to wait for them to go down, because you'll be wrong. But if it if you look at your circumstances and situation, and if it makes sense to do it now, then do it. Okay. And, <laughs> They don't I'm pay sorry. attention to the markets. That's right. And don't pay attention to the markets. Okay. You, you you need to live your life regardless of what the markets are doing. You just have to make adjustments about where things are. That's all.
2: Yeah, and then this is when we come back from break, I guess yeah. you can talk about this more about this is what I mean about a normalization. I mean, it's these rates that you were seeing at two and a half, three percent. That is not normal. I mean, that was all based on COVID, right? Right. Yep, yep. So they were lowering the rates. They were trying to get the, you know, the, the markets or whatever it's called just trying to get the economy sort of rolling again. And that's why our rates, from what I know, and again, this is your alley, not mine. Yeah. Is that why the rates were so low so we could get some movement in the economy? What we're seeing now is normalization. Yeah. Five, six percent is normal. <laughs> it's still very, very low. Yep.
1: It, it's that reference for where you were before in terms of how you do that. Yeah, it, it, it's just, you know, it's just really interesting. Uh, the, the markets don't matter. You have to live your life and make your choices based on what is and not what you're going to guess. I mean, the infl- inflation is a perfect example, by the way. And, and mm-hmm. I do not mean to diminish the effects of inflation, okay, uh, for, for folks that are out there. I, I, I sincerely do not. But, you know, my question is, well, we're going to have 8 or 8.5% eight inflation. Well, that's, that's bad, okay? But the real question is, how does it affect you? Okay, if mm-hmm. if your lifestyle has, has to change rather dramatically, okay, or you're having trouble putting food on, the, then that's that's a that's an awful thing, and you have to live do whatever you have to do. But but if the cost of food, or by the way, diesel fuel, if you're a boater mm-hmm. or gasoline, <laughs> if, if if it Ouch. if it if it doesn't much affect your life, well, then why are you stressed out about inflation if it doesn't affect you? Sort of a thing, and, and it's the same thing with markets, as far as I'm concerned. But people, you know, they don't look inward to themselves in their situations. They look outward and say, "Let's see, good or bad time, maybe I'll do this side of the other thing." So, Sharon, you got mm-hmm. about a, a thirty-five or forty seconds. What do you want to do for summary comments here? Go for it.
2: Yeah. So again, I'm right. I'm right on track with what you are saying. And this is one of the things that's very confusing to me. Is Life happens. Yeah. So what does this happen every 10, seven to 10 years, right? That yep. we see fluctuations in our economy and in our market. And honestly, I'm so glad that I have you as my brother-in-law and Alyssa, who helps me with our finances, that I've been prepared for downtime when that time, when Mark was sick, you there know,
1: you, you, you can't, you can't know, but you can plan and prepare been Prepared
2: for-, for that. It's really, it is, um, Exactly. And to be that close where mortgages mortgage is going up 1%, yep. but you in a different ball field, you were too tight anyway.
1: Well said. Taking a break, folks. Be right back.
2: Did you know that there are almost 10,000 mutual funds out there? Not to mention almost 2,000 ETFs. And what's an ETF? Given these overwhelming numbers, how do you go about selecting what's appropriate? Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. If you're ready to let a professional worry about your investments, visit us at McNamaraFinancial.com.
1: We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. You're listening to McNamara on Money. My uh, co-host, sidekick, and I will say favorite sister-in-law and hope that the others aren't listening, (laughs) Sharon, Sharon McNamara. Uh, owner and grand poobah of Boston Connect Real Estate uh, on the South Shore. Uh, we're talking uh, the the real estate side of real estate and the money side of real estate. So Sharon, we're, we're behind schedule. We have 27 topics. We just finished the first one in the first half an hour. I, I think we're going to be in trouble here. Okay. By the way, I want to do the I want to do the should I wait for correction one. This might not be too long, but I uh, you know yeah. the <laughs> since day one. And the business that i 'm in, okay everybody who doesn 't know us or forgets what we talk, what we told them about, and we have to remind them they, they walk in your door and they say so what 's where the market 's going my clients don 't do that anymore because they know that we don 't know <laughs> which way mm-hmm. the market 's going so so you know f- folks any if you 're depending on your financial advisor or your real estate professional. To give you a guess about where things are going next, tomorrow, never mind next week or next month or year. Okay, n- nobody knows the future. Okay, and, and, and uh, the, the, the short story is, okay, you can only plan for the now, and if it works in your life, great. And you can't worry too much about the future, but you can try to at least plan or prepare for it, sort of a thing. You know, in, in my business, people worry about, well, how... You know, what am I gonna do about a bear market? Well well, we already did it. You have a pretty well diversified portfolio. You're not gonna go down as much as the stock market's gonna go down. You're not gonna dig a, a deep hole. It's easy to get out of okay, over time. And, and oh by the way, we got two or three years worth of income stocked away for for you, so you don't need to, to to sell stocks to live. So so that that's like I, I I don't mean to diminish the value of financial advisors, but those are the basics to prepare for bad times. Well, there, similar things apply in the real estate world, given the circumstances. But anyway, nobody knows the future, okay? And if, you, if you're if you going to wait for a correction to buy a, a real— By the way, I'm glad you have the word correction in your business as well as we have a NARS, Sharon. You know, we have really yep. b- bad markets, and we have corrections, and then we have—I forget the other name for it. But anyway, the, the, the bottom line uh, is— Again, I call
2: it normalization. Yeah,
1: no, uh, th- Thank you. Yeah, you you have to live in the now. And if you're going to make a a bet about the future, it could come back to bite you big time or or mess up your life. You know, mortgage contingencies Mm -hmm. and they didn't get a mortgage. What, What does that do to your time frame? What does that do to your price schedule? A bunch of other things, right? I mean...
2: What do you and think? that's <laughs> a good segue too. Yeah. And we ended um, before the break. We were talking a little bit about me we talking about rates yeah. and what's going on. I do have our guest is actually on Zoom with us right now. Um, so do you want to talk a little sure. bit about mortgages? No worries. We have him this morning. No yeah, worries. So we have George Post uh, joining us from Maritime Mortgage. And um, George, can you hear us? Okay.
0: Sure can. Good morning.
2: Oh, good morning. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it was last minute Jasmine is at a wedding or doing something fun today as well. Um, so George, just, if you want, if you could just give our listeners and my brother-in-law, Michael, my favorite brother-in-law. Good morning, George. By the way, how are
1: you today? (laughs) Good morning. How are you? (laughs) So far so good. It's early yet. (laughs) Yeah.
2: George, can you just give a little introduction of who you are and what you do and everything about your company?
0: yeah good morning um so i am a loan officer with maritime mortgage uh long story of how i got there but um it's a it's a very serendipitous um type of a role to get into right no one ever well they might have it now for universities or you know you don't go to school to become a loan officer (laughs) but (laughs) here we are um and Maritime Mortgage is a uh, independent mortgage broker uh, serving Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Maine, New Hampshire, and Florida. And we've been in business for over 30 years. And that you don't see a ton of that longevity um, in, in this type of industry. So very proud to work here. And me personally, I've got a... Um, I really like to help families. And I was loving the conversation earlier about you know, the holistic approach, the, how micro it can be for real estate, even though the macro is going one way or the other, but it's all about that personal family and the right choice for your family. And Sharon, as you were mentioning earlier about saying no, you know, now it's not a good time. It, it doesn't make sense. In a higher interest rate environment that we're in right now, there's a lot of saying no to folks on purpose, because it, it, whether it's a refinance or to pull out some equity, um, it's got to be the right time, and I love the holistic approach you guys are providing. Uh, George, just
1: for a second to go further, and I, you know obviously we we just m- met a couple minutes ago, but the, you know f- here's a, a comment. I, you know I don't care what interest mortgage rates are if you can afford it. And it, and it works in your financial situation, you know. As financial planners, we have clients come to us all the time and say, "I'm going to buy my house, buy a new house, and sell a old one. An old one. Can I afford to do that?" And and we can plug into a pretty comprehensive financial plan, make some seriously, hopefully, pretty accurate bets about their future success in the financial world. And if they can afford a five and a half percent mortgage and it works now in their life, we say, "Go for it." Doesn't matter. And that, I don't mean to be that casual, but you know, if you can afford what the rates are at the time that you're looking at it and, and it works in your life, then end of story, go for it.
0: I'm done. I know, and I agree. <laughs> to Sharon's point about, you know, just barely qualifying and where they're they're getting knocked out of qualifying or affordability because of 1% on the interest rate, it probably didn't make sense to begin with. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, I I, I agree there. Um, and going back to just overall qualifying for a mortgage and making sure you're you're good to go, for us, it's really what, it's not what you're qualified for, it's what's the comfort payment, right? Because that's really, that's what's coming at you day in and day out, and we're not factoring in what the water bill is gonna be and the sewer bill is gonna be, and that's really uh, the key number. And that comfort payment, you know, let's call it, let's say it was $2,200, Two years ago, well, that twenty two hundred dollars is buying you less now, and that's just the reality of it. Of it is what it is, and I love what Sharon said about you know I want an updated pre approval with you know today's date or within this past week because you really got to make sure that that payment of what the client is expecting to be paying is matching up to reality. And yeah, I, I love that.
2: George, can I ask a question? I know Michael has some specific questions as well regarding, you know, like long rates and arms and all that. But I'm curious what What are your thoughts on this phrase that we've been hearing, "Marry the house and date the rate"? What are your thoughts on that?
0: <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's cool. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's I like it. I like it because um, I personally lived it. Uh, I, Bought a small bungalow, my wife and I's first place. We weren't married at the time, and we've refinanced four or five times. I should probably know this. <laughs> so we've we've married that house, and it's a cute bungalow. And I hopefully we might be retiring there. It's now an investment pro- uh, property, but we married that house, and we've been dating the rate, and we've taken equity out to buy more real estate. So I've lived it. And I'm sure, you know, Mike probably knows more than I, but some of the statistics about how often someone either stays in a home or stays in that loan, let me tell you, it's not 30 years. Five, six, so, seven,
1: five, six, seven, eight, something like right. that. Right, yep.
0: So uh, it, it's it's quite true. It, it, it is a, ten, uh, a trendy, you know, there's some great uh, uh, Facebook um, memes going out there about dating the rate, but it is so true. However, Um, You know, talk about timing the market. I don't want to make sure people are like, hey, I'm I'm dating this ugly guy or gal (laughs) for the short term, because, you know, for sure, you know, the tens around the corner in three years from now. Right. Because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So to kind of overextend yourself, because, you know, I know for sure the Fed's raising the federal funds rate to fight inflation, interest rates are coming down. February 2023, mark my words, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. By the way, to to use that analogy,
1: so I'm, I'm perfectly fine if you want to date the rates while they're going down but if they're going up I think you want to choose celibacy okay <laughs> <laughs> end of story yeah. I'm done okay
2: <laughs> yeah well, well, just at least you know like that's the thing I think George that's one thing that you're trying to say right now too is like whatever the rate is that you're in you have to be comfortable Don't don't try to future predict what we cannot predict you know okay right. I'm going to be in this and that's Again, maybe that's a good segue into talking about arms. Like, what about arms right now?
0: Right. And I actually just closed on an arm. So I can, um, when was it? On the seventh. <laughs> Uh-huh. So uh, on an investment property, and I closed on a 7-1 arm, which means for the first seven years, it is a fixed rate, and then it adjusts going forward, right? So you might see it's a, a, a seven hash, you know, backsplash uh, one, right? And that, that one stands for every year thereafter, it's going to adjust based on what the market's doing. And here's the nice caveat, it can go down, right? So that's a nice piece about the adjustable rate. And so that's, and there are caps too. So how much it can adjust. So every every year after the seventh year is going to adjust. But the arms nowadays are different. There are caps of how much they can adjust. So you're not going to get that you know crazy payment shock that just blindsides you. Um, but it is a risky feature, right? It, it is not a 30 year fixed rate. So why why would you take that? They're giving you a benefit for that first seven years that it is fixed. It is discounted from what a thirty-year fixed.
1: George, would who, who, do. who are the candidate? Who are the candidates to do a mortgage like that? Describe the perfect person for whom that would work.
0: And it's back to the holistic approach. Um, um, if you see yourself either selling, you know, hey, this is my temporary home, um, or, or you know. A young couple, honestly, a young couple that bought the bungalow and they know they're going to have kids in the future, and they are not going to stay in that home. They are going; it's just a matter of space. They're gonna outgrow it. They could be a good option for an arm, okay? Um, or someone that. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I was just or, you know, agreeing with like, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and the other piece is seven year. And I took that, uh, you know, I I had some options about what, how long I wanted that fixed initial period to be, because you can do a three or five or seven or 15 fixed part of that uh, initial loan. And, you know, could do fixed for five and the rate's a little sweeter. But seven years is a pretty long time. Um, And knowing myself, um, I was, I'm was. i probably gonna refinance and pull some equity out to roll it into another property down the road. So an arm might be a good, um, a good option for somebody that, um, you know, maybe is gonna turn it into an investment down the road, or they see that, hey, we're gonna do kind of like a fixer-upper, we're gonna paint the cabinets. And like Sharon was saying, you know, let's update to the granite countertops. And if you're gonna force some equity into the property, you're probably gonna be refinancing within the short term Anyhow, so that's a good option to do an arm. If, you know, you're you're a couple that buys a house that is definitely a fixer-upper and you know you're going to force some equity in just your own, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and some hard work, that you're going to improve the value and maybe try to pull some equity out of the property down the road, that might be a good option for, for, for that buyer.
1: Either that or flip it before the seven years, even if you didn't plan to do so, that would work then. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
0: Yeah, the it live not- right? You make it your owner-occupied? Yeah. Who is
2: it not for?
0: It's not for someone who is just barely scraping by to make it work. Because if it's on that eighth year, you know, if, if they don't forecast in their lives that they're going to get some, you know, their career is really going up and to the right. And it's just and that's it all it is what it is. You know, you got a steady job and you're making X per year and it's gonna tick up two percent each and every year. And this payments it's doable, but it's not, you know, it's not as comfortable as they'd like it. An arm is not for them.
1: Okay. But I, I just want to zap a few financial planning comments into here, just for for our listeners here. So, the, the, you know, the statistics here—you're you're exactly right. Uh, every five or six or seven years, people change change homes or refinance mortgages, and that's just the way it is. You know, fo- folks, at the risk of throwing a little rainwater on a real estate and a mortgage uh, discussion, uh, if you if you refinance your mortgage, if you stay in the same home. And if you refinance your mortgage every year for seven years, by the time you're 65, you'll have a 30-year mortgage, and that's not a good thing. So if you're, if you're going to be refinancing and not taking equity out to do, you know, investment things like George is talking about, but if you're like regular old folks who are going to marry the house, if you're going to marry one house, perfect. Okay, if you refinance every five or six or seven years, try to make sure that the, the ending date for the mortgage is about the time that you plan to retire because it's a lot easier to be successful in retirement if you don't have a mortgage Way down the line, so that's just a, a, a generic comment uh, for for folks who uh, are, are married to their homes and might actually stay there. Those are those are rare folks. The other other piece I want to kind of just inject here is that, so if people are trading homes, the, and the vast majority of folks during their lifetime own what four, five, six homes, and almost every one of them gets bigger. Okay. And if you're going to buy a home, maybe five or six or seven or eight years and the home gets bigger, there's a pretty good chance the mortgage gets bigger. And the pretty good chance is that you don't pay attention to the time frame. So if you're upsizing your houses, okay, you got to be mindful that you've got a bigger mortgage and and hopefully that you can get it down to zero by the time that you retire. And so, so that's just from a financial, maybe the world would slow down a little bit if everybody did that, I guess, but, but from a financial planning point of view, that just makes sense. Okay. Uh, And and one more comment, you know, statistics say, geez, if you can lower your expenses by 25 or 30 or 35% in retirement, okay, because your income's going down, you're going to be okay. Well, one magical way to do that is not to have a mortgage because for a whole lot of folks, that mortgage payment uh, and the interest kind of fits into that twenty five to thirty or thirty five percent of of your expenses sort of a thing. So okay, I'll be quiet. I just had to get that in there now, okay
2: <laughs> and george, what are you what are your thoughts too about um you know just you know I keep on hearing, oh, people are going to be upside down just by the way that people are you know overbidding or emotionally bidding. I feel like we're in such a different place than where we were in 2008 through 10, and well, back in 2004, 2005, when people were, you know, there were no doc loans, there no money down. So when things did sort of turn upside down for people losing their jobs and the way the economy was, they just literally put the keys on the kitchen counter and walked out and said, "Thank you, bank. I'm all set." Now, what I'm seeing though. A lot of people, like the perfect person, this was two years ago, we started saying to people, you know what? If you want to put yourself in the best position to get, your, to get your offer accepted, be non-contingent. So it's not contingent upon selling another house. So we saw a lot of people selling and living with parents or renting or doing whatever they were doing, like interim, like short-term rentals. Those people then took the house that they sold and I was seeing people putting Two hundred and fifty to $500,000, the equity that they had earned on that other home down on their next home. So if things do flip upside down, that's hard-earned money that they're losing. So I don't know that I see this prediction of foreclosures again. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And there is a lot of, there's a lot of Money supply out there for sure, and if we do get a uh, you know kind of a a softening or a correction, um, you had another brilliant and way to say it. But if you if you see a little normalization. A small dip, normalization, yeah. And if you see a small dip, um, there's a lot of people with equity right now. Like take that mm-hmm. that example that well they lived with the in laws for a little bit and then they rolled that two hundred thousand dollars into the six hundred k purchase. their quote-unquote forever home if the market goes down by five percent well they still have a ton of equity that's built into that now if you're a smaller down payment um purchaser you put your three percent down and if the market does go down by five percent technically you are then underwater but there's just and my thought is if you The payment's right, you hold on to it, the real estate's gonna treat you right over time. I just feel as though I I don't see the foreclosure, you know, everyone's waiting for this major correction, this, you know, get your cash ready, there's gonna be a boatload of, you know, on sale homes. There just isn't, I don't see it happening. And looking at the micro, um, you know, the shifts in the market around where, you know, this kind of target audience is, there's just nothing to buy you know and if there is things on sale then our clients that have been dying to get their foot in the door somewhere they're going to go great the property's five percent cheaper it's still 35 percent higher than it was in 2019 so i i don't see it
1: yeah I, I i'd agree with that there's a lot of a lot of free money out there as you know uh, f- folks have saved a lot of money with regard to covid so there's a sort of a lot of people who are personally liquid and can 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 deal with things like that so, so it, and it, it so it's you're right we're not we're not in the same place uh, where we were oh and let's see we have almost full employment so almost everybody that wants a job has a job sort of a mm-hmm. thing so you're right sharon it, it's just different from the the big macro picture than it was a bunch of years ago so hopefully it won't be as uh, any kind of a dramatic kind of a thing you know
2: yeah, because if people can't afford, then afford the house and the mortgage that they're in,
1: Yeah,
2: you know, they'll sell yeah. what, what they're going to lose. Let's just say the market did shift a little bit yeah. and they lost one hundred thousand dollars. That's one hundred thousand yeah. dollars of their money, not a bank money. So Ooh. I feel it's going to be, you know, people have their skin in the game. But, Michael, yeah. I don't even know when we're supposed to break. But the quick question I have yeah. for you, and maybe not so quick, is what are your suggestions for people who are in that position where, OK, they sold their house. <laughs> They, they're sitting on you know $250,000 that they want to put, or maybe even $500,000, because I do have a client in that position, yep. $500,000, do they purchase their next house with these emotional sale prices, and do they put that whole $500,000 of equity into their home yep. and get a lesser mortgage, or do they get a bigger mortgage at 6% and put the money
1: into investments? Uh, uh, well, I w- I've never told anybody to do that in my life and have no plans going forward to do that. Uh, no, real estate uh, is real estate. Your money is your money. And don't get them confused is the short answer for that. But uh, so, so, yeah, my, my comment is that, you know, and, and as, as financial advisors and we ha- we were fortunate enough to be able to, you know, answer a question and then kind of crunch some numbers and some pretty sophisticated software and said, well, this is kind of how it's going to look. So people have to weigh that risk before they make a decision. And, and the more information they have, the better. But you know, if you're gonna, if you're actually going to you know, buy a home before you sell your home, well, there's some risk there. And people, you know, my advice is, people need to know the cards that they have and what the risks are and what they have to potentially lose to do something like that. You know, if you get welled up in this panic about you're going to miss something, pe- people need to have enough information so, so that how if things went sideways really bad in whatever they did, what effect would that have on them financially? If it, if it was devastating, it's not worth taking the risk. So my, my advice would be based on their circumstances, know the risk, and, and it, then you place your bet sort of a thing. But it, it would be unwise, I think, for most folks to uh, to buy a home before they sold their existing rent. I, I think that's a pretty safe statement. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think it would be... Uh, Uh, It would be, there's a certain amount of risk involved in doing a mortgage, okay, Uh, taking some equity out and buying. There's risk there as well, okay? Uh, And yeah, the risk is you could be homeless versus the other thing. So I I don't have a a generic answer other than, you know, people, whether you're going to buy at the same time or sell or do that, whatever you're thinking about doing, you know, if you assume the worst, what does it look like for you? And if you have good information to make a reasonable decision, then you place your bets and it goes where it goes. That's how it works.
2: And I know one thing for sure, as at the height of our emotion, which I have been saying this this whole market has been emotionally driven uh, and which is driving our sale prices and list prices artificially inflating yep. them yep. but you know what at the height of our emotion we tend to be at the bottom of our logic <laughs> <laughs> so slow down i,
1: I got to quote you on that Chad. i like that that's really good by the way we, we got about a minute or so but yeah it, in 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 my business and it applies for real estate oh, we have about 2 or 3 minutes even better in my business y- y- you know emotions kill you 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 can't you mm-hmm. can't be an investor and be emotional, okay? Because uh-huh. uh, you, you're your heart and your brain—your heart gets in the way when you're an investor, and you can cause some some serious trouble. So, so I heartily agree w- with that comment. You, if you get to panic and you get emotions, you you never have the time to sit back, take a breath, and do some analysis and say this is how it is. So, yep,
2: mm-hmm. very and dangerous. And in my yep. in my department, we call that buyer's remorse. Yeah. By the way, yeah. you know, then then you wake up, you know, laying in bed that first night, saying, "What." did I just do yeah. like I just paid $200,000 over asking for this house yeah. and I just saw a cracked tile in the bathroom that I didn't notice, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's because Ooh. I waived my home inspection and my mortgage contingency and all these other things. Michael, I know we only have a few minutes, but I know yeah. one of your questions was in regard to the 40 year home mortgages. Yeah. And I, I did have a quick discussion with somebody on this. I don't know that there is really such a thing as a forty-year mortgage. The, I think when the, um, the
1: Federal Housing Administration just created one, I, I just read that a little while ago. There, there, okay,
2: perfect, George. That would be George's department. Any ideas on those?
0: Yes, and I do believe uh, the the FHA forty-year mortgage was to uh, relieve some pressure on existing FHA loans, if I'm not mistaken, to kind of mm-hmm. like you know expand the term out. Um, so. Yeah, and you see some other 40-year products where the first 10 years is interest only, and then it kicks into a fully amortized 30-year loan, much like you see with a home equity line of credit where there's an interest-only period, and then you start paying back interest and the the principal back.
1: Yeah, let's pick up on that after the break. I got a couple more questions about that, okay? Folks, we'll be right back.